This podcast contains sensitive content which some may find disturbing. Information shared here should not be construed as medical advice. If you or someone you love needs help with trauma, chronic pain, or anything else we discuss here, please seek out a medical professional. All resources shared are for entertainment purposes only. All content represents the opinions of Kim and Anna and any special guests and do not necessarily reflect the positions of any organizations they work for. This is not ideal, but we're going with it. A mother-daughter podcast about chronic pain, trauma, mental illness, and more. Kim is a trauma therapist and certified addiction counselor who lives in Pennsylvania, USA. And her daughter, Anna, is a scoliosis sufferer and trauma survivor living in the tropical north of Australia. Join us each week as they discuss topics from their life experiences. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome. This is Not Ideal, but we're going with it. The podcast. I'm Kim and I'm the mom. And I'm Anna. I'm the daughter. And we are going to rip the bandaid off in this episode. Oh. And <laughs> <laughs> ouch. <laughs> and and talk about something that we both still have a lot of trouble talking about. So we are picking up from where we left off the last episode in, uh, of off the cliffhanger of yes. what it was that was causing basically everybody at the hospital to think I was about to die. Yes, and let me pop in here. What we're going to share in this episode, and we talked about this in our pregame, we actually have not talked about with almost anyone outside of immediate family members. Something we're going to talk about that happened in the hospital. So, okay. <laughs> so stay listening. Stay Don't tuned. go away. Yes. <laughs> But first, we've got to cover the immediate aftermath of everybody thinking I was dying because this thing that we're going to end up talking about isn't for a few days after. So we had that call. And if you remember from the last episode, we had that moment where my mom, where the uh, surgeon had said, she's probably about to die. So you need to call her, her loved ones, her family. And mom looked down at me and she said, you're going to, you know, eventually speedy, you're going to fall asleep. You're going to fall asleep and that's going to be it. And that's going to be okay. And that we both started crying in the last episode at that moment. So if you haven't listened, go back and listen. It was a great episode. It took us a little while after that episode to recover and yeah. talk about it. But here we are. Yep. And so now we're going to go on and tell you what it was that had happened. So do you remember, mom, what it was? Because I was wheeled away for testing and they knocked me out. They sedated me. So I don't remember really anything until the next memory slide that I have in my brain, which is me staring at this little sign across from my hospital bed. And I was in so much of a delusional state. I was staring at it and all it said was something about don't let a patient get up on your own. Call for help. It was call don't fall. Call don't fall. That's what it was. (laughs) Oh my word. Call don't fall. That's and I remember staring at that and reading it over and over. And then right next to it, there was a dry erase board that said (laughs) it had my name on the top. And then right underneath it, it said goals, colon. And then it said pain in all caps. And then it had an arrow that was pointing down down arrow. (laughs) Those are our goals too. We're all on the same. We're all on the same path here. That's good to know. Call, don't fall. Goals, pain, down arrow. Downward. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. So what happened was you were in intensive care and they had connected with your surgeons they were excellent. They got everything. They got the download on, uh, they brought in their specialists and 
Uh, we heard from multiple specialists at different times of the day and night um, what their thoughts were, what their plans were, and things like that. Meanwhile, oh. the primary thing was just to get your pain down, which wasn't working as usual. Yeah. We kind of were able to say, yeah, this happened after the surgery too, and, and this is sort of a history thing. So they're trying to navigate all that. And you were going to say something? You, just what I was going to say is while they're bringing in all those specialists, I remember just about every morning, because they had to do morning x-rays just about every morning, they would mm -hmm. take a new x-ray of my chest because eventually they found that I had very extremely severe what's called pleurisy, which is when the cavity, they say it's your lungs filling with fluid, but what I think it actually is, is the cavity in between that is right next to your lungs, the cavity that your lungs are in mm -hmm. fills mm -hmm. with fluid and it collapses your lungs from the bottom up. And I had that almost to the very top of my lungs. Mm -hmm. And they had seen that and they said, well, we see that this is all this fluid, but that pleurisy alone doesn't normally cause pain. So it couldn't be that. So they just left the fluid there for several days. Mm -hmm. They were doing these x-rays every morning. And every morning there would be a new batch of like five or six student surgeons or student doctors who were all there to witness the x-ray of this brand new surgery that was in my chest. And I remember them all every morning, one of them would say some variation of, oh my word, that is like a work of art. We have never seen mm -hmm. anything like that. It's incredible. And mm -hmm. that made me feel pretty good, except right. that I wanted to murder everybody in the room because of how much pain I was in. <laughs> yeah, you were not happy at all. Yeah. We, um, yeah. So we were told that Thankfully, the hemoglobin counts started to slowly come back up. And so uh, they were able to rule out a bunch of things that they thought at first were life-threatening. And then um, they were seeing the extreme pleurisy. And I think the issue that they were kind of grappling with was the fact that the pleurisy was impacting the nerve damage that had happened as a result of the surgery. So, you know, it was already her nerves were inflamed and this liquid was doing something. And again, because it's a new surgery, they weren't really quite sure. Um, and so it took them a while to come to that conclusion that the fluid is the focus. So they started focusing on, could this be some sort of obstruction or could this be some sort of issue with her intestines or something like that and the surgery and recovering from the surgery. So they focused a lot on that. So she pretty much didn't eat and they kind of emptied her out as, as fast as they could through multiple means over a period of how many days was that? Like <laughs> Gross. three days in intensive It was three care. full days. And their policy there was for the uh, people to go home. <laughs> and when I heard that was the policy, I was like, I'm not leaving. I mean, I even remember saying to them, I know she's an adult, but look at her. She cannot defend herself. She can't, she can't advocate for herself. So we, I have to talk, you know, escalate. Oh, I you're need to saying talk to the policy. Else. Okay. You're saying that the policy for them is that family members have to go home. You just said the policy is that people go home. And I th oh. I thought that you were saying that they had said to you that I had to go home. And I no, was like, no, I find no. that hard to believe. No. <laughs> I told she needs, they she told, needs my mom to is go. getting too excited. Mom, they told my mom that she had to leave because because since it was I was intensive in care. And it was intensive care. Yeah. And they didn't want family members staying overnight in intensive care next to other adults who were in intensive care because it's considered quite a private area of the hospital. So they didn't want visitors there overnight. And so, yeah. And so now then you went to them and you said, absolutely not. I'm not leaving. I'm and staying. And I was like, you know, and they were like, you're going to have to go. And I was like, escalate. Ele elevate this up. <laughs> manager. <enough>. Manager. <laughs> I want to be talking to whoever broke ground on this hospital. <laughs> and I, I don't mind. I will wait. Who, until... who invented healthcare? <laughs> exactly. Get me the secretary of healthcare. But the... 
I don't even know if that's a real I don't even know if that's a real thing. Anyway, oh, so I, I was pretty firm and they were very kind and then I got to stay with you the whole time again. Well, so, well the the manager of the manager's manager was kind. Yes. <laughs> it took you once, a while. Once you had to get a family pass. Yeah, you had to get a special <laughs> green slip of paper that said you're yes. allowed to stay. I had to yeah. wear it around my neck. Do you remember that? And sometimes <laughs> yes. I forget. And then I remember that the next day you were supposed to get a fresh one, and instead you just kept it and told everybody that it that you'd gotten it fresh every day. I know, but then but then I realized they changed colors, so they had a system to kind of fare did it they out. those uh, sneaky, sneaky people. mom girls? Yes, and they got they got me, so I was like, they "Yep, I need a new one," but I'm not leaving because she's not okay. So really, literally, I know this sounds hard to believe that anyone was left in pain or not. It's not like people were meaning to leave her in pain. There just was no solution. They were trying everything they could. And it it must be uh. hard to listen to that she was in pain this long, but she really literally was. We have the photographic evidence of her extreme pain. And I, I just... It's hard to even reflect back on, but it was excruciating at the time. Yeah, I know that there are people listening to this right now, whatever they've been through. And I want to credit those people that I'm sure that you've been through some horrible stuff. But this, and I'm sure that they're thinking to themselves, oh yeah, uh uh-huh, everybody goes through pain when you're in the hospital. Mm -hmm. But I think I've probably experienced more pain than that. I just want to correct you and say, (laughs) you haven't. You absolutely have not. And I know that that might sound like, oh, my pain's bigger than your pain. You know, I've been through more than you have. Ha ha. No, that is not what this is. What this is, is me telling you there is no way that another human has experienced more pain than that. Maybe as much, but any more and you'd be dead. And let me clarify, they weren't. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's hard for you to not cut me off. (laughs) But I've got things to say, baby, about this because I'm still so angry that this even happened to me. Because, oh my word, it just drives me absolutely insane. And like we've talked about this before, there's only one drug, one pain-killing drug that works on my body. It's called hydromorphone, also known as Dilaudid. It is directly under fentanyl and classed in the class above most street drugs like cocaine and heroin and MDMA as far as addiction likelihood. And the strength is also incredible. But we've already said fentanyl doesn't work. So this is the only drug that works. And we told them that. And they got me point five milligrams of intravenous Dilaudid. And let me clarify, thus far in my surgical recovery, I had been on eight milligrams of oral Dilaudid. Right. Well, that's yeah, the which, which is slightly is less, but 0.5 milligrams is not even close, even intravenously. It was doing nothing. And the, all that it would do, it was seriously, it was a form of torture. Even them giving me that small relief because they would give it to me and it would allow me to fall asleep for 15 minutes because I was exhausted at this point. I've been curled up in pain. I can't unfurl my legs. I haven't been able to sleep. Obviously, how could you sleep in that much pain? You know, and so they give me this and for 15 minutes, I can fall asleep. And after 15 minutes, I'm wide awake again. The pain wakes me back up and I'm up. Heart rate is back at 180 for another four hours. And even sitting here, I am so angry that they let me go through Mm. that. And mom, I remember you even saying, this is ridiculous. We're in the first world. This is America. And she's over here. She's screaming. She hasn't stopped screaming for three days. Yeah. At the same time, I totally understood there's a super high pressure on medical professionals to be faithful and responsible with all of these medications that have caused all this horrible pain and heartbreak in families. And so, you know, I, as a, as a person who is in this field, I totally get it, but we have to have a way of getting people out of pain and then kind of processing 
you know, what we're going to have to do to get them off this drug. And so I'm sure many of you have experienced this as well. People with chronic pain experience this where, you know, there's just such a resistance to, you know, they don't want to over-medicate. They've been accused of over-medicating. And so they're trying to be responsible. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But understanding does not mean I agree. Right. Well, you went through it. You were the one in pain. And I, 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 I advocated as strongly as I could, but there are, there are policies in place. There are, you know, systems and I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to get kicked out. <laughs> they were helping us to some extent for sure. And we were in well, desperate need of help. So, yeah. But let me just tell you, though, this is what drove me nuts. If they had kept that idea, and mom and I even talked about this afterwards, if we, if they had kept that policy of we can only give you the bare minimum because of how much we fear addiction, <laughs> then fine. But after those three days, finally, we got transferred to the cancer ward. And in the cancer ward, I met my favorite nurse that I've ever known in my life. And she's fantastic. <laughs> Shout out to her, but I don't want to say her name just in case. I love her. We're friends on Instagram. She's just absolutely, I can't even say enough good things about her. <laughs> and she also brought me icy pops every time I needed one. And, and she brought you food, I think, too, even though you weren't supposed to be eating from the, I think she brought food for both of us from like the patient snack section. She's, she was the best. They were very loving. They had a loving kindness approach to pain. And they were like, you getting out of pain is important. They quadrupled my dose immediately. As soon yeah. as I got up there, still screaming. I, I hadn't stopped yelling and moaning. I got up there and they're like, okay. You did pass out from fatigue at times. Oh my word. I did. Do you remember they took me down for an x-ray at one point because, you know, they were doing these x-rays and CAT scans just about every day to every other day. And they brought me back up at one point in a wheelchair. And I remember passing out in the doorway in a wheelchair and I remember my head falling back. Do you remember that? Because no one was supporting my head. And my head fell straight back. And I remember dad, the last thing I see before I pass out, my head starts to fall. And I see dad lunge forward to try to, you know, because he's standing in the room that I'm being wheeled into. Do you remember this? Was that the first hospital or the second hospital? Oh, I've got no, I think it was the second hospital, but I've got no idea, to be honest with you. Right. But I just remember them wheeling, this girl, she, you know, she was an orderly. So all, all her job was, was to wheel people around in wheelchairs. And she wheeled me in and my head falls back and I see dad lunge and he's in his Tevas, you know, and I just have this memory of looking at socks? his feet. I don't know whether he was wearing socks or not, probably knowing him. But I just remember seeing, he goes, oh, and he jumps and he is trying, he doesn't get to me quick enough. My head fell way back. And then the girl quick is like, ah, and she picks up my head. And then they, I think they, I mean, they must've brought me into the room because then I woke up in my bed later, but. We had many adventures for sure. We did. But anyway. But the point is that as soon as, as soon as I got to the oncology ward, they quadrupled my dose, which is so clear then that no, in fact, there, you are allowed to give people enough medication as long as you have a heart. And well, <laughs> I they swear. They might've needed, yeah, it was tough. They might have needed all that time. That was when they finally figured out it must be this fluid interacting with the nerves and the damage to the nerves. And we have yes, to but get her out of that pain so that we can move forward with uh, pulling that fluid out. Yeah, but do you know what we've just done? Is what? we have skipped over the thing that neither of us want to talk about. Because before they took the fluid out of my lungs, the thing happened. Oh, yeah. Which, I know. which was why I was still vomiting. So we've both just, just accidentally skipped over what this entire episode is supposed to be about. Well, okay. So we're back. We're in the new ward. You're finally, you're still in pain, but you're, it's definitely more manageable where you're getting to sleep every once in a while. Oh, do you remember how you couldn't sleep because of the pain, but I was so exhausted? Do you yes, I do remember I, that. I fell asleep. I felt like such a bad mom. I was exhausted. I fell asleep in my chair and I woke up to you staring at me like angrily. <laughs> 
I do remember that. I remember watching you sleeping and just thinking, oh, oh, I'm so jealous. You were staring at me angrily. Yeah, I remember I was so mad at you and I was so jealous. And I just remember I would stare at you all through the night because I couldn't sleep other than those 15 minutes. All through the night. I think I slept like one hour anyway. And I woke up and you're staring at me (laughs) so angrily. (laughs) I, I said, are you okay, sweetie? And you're like, I need you to stay awake. <laughs> is that what I said for real? That is so what, oh, you said, mom, when I'm in pain, I need you to stay awake. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> you're right. I'm a failure. I can't believe I That's fell asleep. That's so bad of me. Even though you were in pain. No, but you were in pain. I just couldn't stay awake. I was so tired. No, but who cares? I'm in pain. Why do I have to pass on my suffering? That's so bad of me. I I was not in my right mind. After all this journey, you felt so alone and nobody was able to help and it had been such a turmoil. And I I just felt that, I, I don't know, moms, if you're out there, I just felt like, oh, that is so true. I need to stay awake. And so then I stood up and I tried to go get some coffee. And but that was tough. I, hmm. I had that little snatch of sleep, which was nice. But then the yeah. wake up was horrible. Well, <laughs> but this is this is the thing, because you would fall. I mean, you can't just stay awake perpetually. I had the pain to keep me awake. But I remember that there was one night in particular, and this is the night of the thing. Uh, that no, it no, was no. Still, I think it, the night of the thing didn't happen in ICU. We were in ICU when I fell asleep no, I and you were still in pain. Oh, oh okay. okay. Well then, so on day three or night, night three or four, but I was still in pain. They still, we had just gotten transferred. So we had only just made it into the oncology ward and they still hadn't given me the larger dose yet because we had to wait for the head surgeon to come in the next morning and approve that request for that high dose of that powerful of a drug. So we had one more night in hell, basically. And they had given us, they had run out of vomit bags and they thought that I had been, they said that I was taking up too many vomit bags. Do you remember this, mom? They said, you've used up all of the vomit bags in the room and we're not going to give you any more. So instead, here's a bin. And they gave me this rectangular... It was like the size. I don't think that happened. There's a photo of it, you nut. I'm going to post the photo. There's a photo of it lying on my chest. How could you forget this? And all through the night, I had to continue vomiting, but they all they gave me was a bin. And then every time I would throw up in the bin, I would hit the buzzer and a nurse would eventually come in, rinse out the bin and give it back to me so that I wasn't oh, wasting. Right. I kept that bin. I still have that bin. Okay, yeah, you listen. took it home from the hospital, you nut. <laughs> my okay. word. What we need to share for the part of the story that we haven't shared before is that um, the beds in this particular place, while everything else was wonderful and very helpful, the beds. Okay, that's an overstatement, were, but yeah. Oh, oh my word. The, I don't think the so. Beds. I love, I thought they did a fine job well, with what they were my, dealing my, with. Yeah, my opinion is skewed by the pain that I was in, but well, that's it's true. true. The beds had this thing where they kept inflating and moving you around in the bed, and it was very painful because of your surgery. Yeah, they were called automatically adjusting beds. Right. And what it did was every time you put your weight into a particular area, the bed would deflate in that area so that then you wouldn't have anything pressing on your body in that area. But after having just had spinal surgery, you need support in your lumbar spine, especially. And if they automatically take away all the support in any area, right, as you put your back down onto it, you know, it was a nightmare and it was causing way more pain. It was keeping me even awake, even during those 15 minutes. It was just a nightmare. So we petitioned to bring in our zero gravity chair, which was recommended by her surgeons 
for her yeah. to recover in and to help assist the healing process for her surgery. And they approved it. And so we brought it in and it's kind of like a lawn chair, but it's a special kind of lawn yeah. chair. It's like a sun, it's like a sunbathing chair, but it was on a stand so that it moved whenever you sat down on it. It was like a, it's almost like a, a hammock crossed with a sunbathing chair. If you Google zero gravity chairs, it's got this kind yeah. of mesh that's really tight. And so it kind of presents a nice surface for her, for her recovery. So anyway, and it yeah. moves with her back. It was supportive, but not hard. Yeah. Yes. So we, so we had dad bring that in. Yes. And they, they let us move her from the bed that kept deflating and inflating to this chair. And then they transferred yeah. us and we took the chair with us. We got set up in that space and go ahead. You can take it from there. And then the <laughs> night began. And yes. they still haven't they still haven't given me enough pain relief, so I'm still right. vomiting pretty much every five minutes or so. And you might when deny this, but you when yeah, she go would, ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, when she was in the zero gravity chair, because it, it kind of leans back and her legs come up. Okay. I know have to push up to vomit. She had to push up on the on the armrest. I would slouch down in the chair to be able to get some rest. And yes, I would have to push up on the armrests to sit up enough to vomit. Okay, go so ahead. what she's saying here is what what is about to happen was not the chair's fault. It was user error. <laughs> and we're just we're clearing ourselves of all liability in that area. But what happened was we were there at night and my mom, had, my, you were falling asleep. Let's just be real. You were falling asleep every five or 10 minutes or so. And then you would wake up whenever I had to vomit because I would say vomit, vomit, vomit. Yes, and then you would is. grab the bin and bring it towards me. And then I would throw up. So this was a real team effort, you guys. My yes. mom... She is and has always been a hero to me. So Sweetie, let's keep a running tally. Such a sweetheart. Oh, thanks. Let's keep a running tally. She'd already saved my life once in the last episode when I was choking on my own vomit and she had to crack my neck to help me get out of that situation. I want to say this about you. Truly, I know we make you sound like you were mean and yelling at people all the time. And granted, you, you did at times. But... <laughs> but in reality, I have never, I cannot imagine the kind of pain you were in and the kind of good attitude that you had. And the fact, I, we haven't talked about that because that, you know, I don't know, maybe that would, nobody would believe it, but you truly had such a good attitude by and large and just patiently suffering through. And, you know, what they had told us was just incredible pain, clearly by your heart rate, how your, how your body was responding outside of just what you're telling us. So I, it yeah, was a, I, it was a I, privilege. I agree. It was a privilege to care for you, Anna, truly, even, oh, even you. though I'm your mom. And of course I wanted to be there and couldn't have wanted to be anywhere else. I was changed by that whole experience, by this whole experience. I continue to be changed. Well, thank you. And continue to deeply appreciate Thanks. what I saw. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, but what happened was we were in the middle of the night and I had been vomiting all night, you know, yada, yada. I know that these last two episodes have been pretty heavy on the word vomit, but <laughs> I sat up and all of a sudden I, I said, vomit, vomit, vomit. And I, and mom woke up and she, you know, whirled around with the, let's just keep in mind, she was sleeping on a pullout chair here. It was not a pullout bed. It was a slightly collapsible chair. So she was a real hero and she put to even be willing to do that. And she pulled the bin around the little tub. That's what it was called. The tub, mm -hmm. <laughs> the little square tub Pink. around. It was, yeah. Oh. And I pushed myself up via the armrests and my chair fell back and my head hit the wall behind me. 
And the front legs of the chair went out from underneath my feet. So the whole chair was just balancing on my head against the wall and the back legs of the chair, or there really are only two legs, uh, but they're like bars, they're length, lengthwise bars. So the front bar went out. And so then it was just my head and the back bar keeping my body upright. And so I had said, vomit, vomit. And then the chair had gone. And I remember going, <gasps> and my mom goes, Anna. And then we both freeze for a split second. And we've got eyes the size of dinner plates looking at each other. That I just remember that moment of I both of us for a split second looking at each other. And then sure enough, the other leg went out from under me. And my whole back and my head fall straight on the floor and slam on the ground. And the whole chair like collapses underneath me. Yes. And my, of course, I am shocked and frozen and in obviously in even more pain because this is before they had pulled the fluid out of my lungs. So not yes. only do I have a back that's just had its whole, you know, its whole structure replaced with metal, but I also, and nylon shoelaces, and I also <laughs> have what ended up being a two, I think two and a half, because they pulled, they ended up pulling over a liter and a half of fluid out of my lungs. And then they didn't take it all because if you take it all at once, you can risk collapsing the lung, I guess, because of suction or something or the vacuum that you create. And so they couldn't even pull it all. And that's how much that I had. They hadn't pulled any of it at that point. So I still had however much you can possibly have in that chest cavity. That was all swollen up on my back. And then I also had the brand new spine. And then also, of course, just any, the, the standard pain anyone would feel falling flat on their back and head oh on a tile goodness. floor. And we, I slammed on the ground. And my, all my wind was knocked out of me. Obviously, not that I had very much because my lungs at that point could only breathe in a very little bit. And I remember, Mom, she knelt down. You knelt down on top of me and you're try, you were trying to like grab me from my back and like hold me up or something. And I remember you hovering over me and we're still both in so much shock. And we both looked to our left. And because we'd moved out of the bed, the panic button that is attached to the bed was just out of reach. And I remember you lifted your hand away from my back and reached towards it. And it was, you know, like sometimes in those movies, you there, there's that scene, they do like this fisheye lens where the main character looks at an item and it gets extra far away. Do you know <laughs> what I'm talking about? Like the, the scene in the movie, like makes it move way, way yeah. far away. And it's like a zoom in, zoom out effect. Yeah, that's that's so like funny. what happened to this panic button. Oh, it was so bad. I, I just, you know, we were the ones that had asked for this chair. And so now yeah. she's fallen flat on her back. It's the middle of the night. Yeah. I go running out into the hallway. No, hold on, hold on. Oh. It was the middle of the night. And you say... You know, you. I say you need to go get help. I remember saying you need to go get help, and you saying I can't leave you. Right. And I and I remember saying, Mom, no one's coming. Yeah. You need to go get help, which meant to both of us. You know, we both of us were thinking worst case scenario, the hardware has just broken in my right. back. I've just broken my spine. Yes. We're gonna have to do the whole thing over again. Mm. I might be paralyzed from now. Like I might have just seriously ruined my entire life. Right. Like that was like this is not. Uh, oh my word, you fell. Put a bandaid on it. We just need somebody to help us get a bandaid, and it'll be fine. Right. This was potentially your life is over. Yes, That's and that terror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. And I just remember saying you need to go get help and realizing in my own heart that meant that I was gonna be alone in a pitch black room, potentially having just permanently you know, essentially killed myself. I mean, you know, maybe I'll still be alive, but I was thinking I'm paralyzed. I mean, with the, with the feeling that I just felt 
as I hit the ground on this brand new back, there's no way that I haven't ruined myself. There's no way. And now I'm going to, I'm telling somebody to leave me alone here, which is a terrifying concept for me. And then my next memory is you, you saying, I can't leave you. And I said, you have to, nobody is coming. And then you go running and you were in (laughs) this pair of blue rubber Crocs (laughs) that you used to wear to walk our dog. Obi joyful was his name. Yeah. Uh, He's sadly no longer with us. We'll, we'll Mm -hmm. see him again one day. Uh, and you were wearing those Crocs because you were in the hospital. So you were in this weird in-between of pajamas and also clothes still appropriate (laughs) to be seen in, in public. And I remember lying there on the floor in this pitch dark room thinking this is it and hearing on the floor, flop, 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 (laughs) it's little rubber Crocs. And for those of you who know mom, she's a runner. She runs every morning, at least she used to before her accident. And she, so she's a quick runner. And so (laughs) just this squeaking on the tile floor from your rubber shoes. And then I finally, at the other end of the hallway, I hear very, very faintly, her yelling at this nurse saying, come quickly, come quickly. My daughter's she's fallen. And I remember hearing this nurse, she, I forget where she was from, but she had a very strong accent. And I remember hearing her, her say, Oh no, Oh no, Oh no. And she runs, she's running. And then nice. I heard the crocs coming back and they both come in. And when the nurse comes in and she sees how badly the fall is like just me lying there, I, she freezes and she, she gasps. Yeah. And I remember thinking, okay, if that's how bad it looks from yeah. over there, I then this is it. bad all the time. Yeah. Yeah. She that's yeah, she's in the too. cancer ward. I mean, you know, she knows bad. Yeah. Oh my word. It's anyway, she the called most terrifying a bunch of backup, thing. which was helpful. We finally got you back to the bed. We then Yeah, backup ran- which came in the form of six young men, <laughs> six yeah. young male orderlies who had to come up and I was just in my hospital gown and nothing else. And because I'd fallen, my hospital gown was pretty much half off. So there were these six <laughs> young men. And luckily, of course, they're very professional. But at the same time, like I remember not even caring. But in hindsight, I think to myself, boy, what a sight that must have been for yeah. those men to have to come in. They had to lift up the whole chair. They had to stabilize your back before they moved you. They did everything properly because then they whisked you off for MRIs and x-rays to see what had happened. And Uh, Can I tell you something? One of the most comforting calls I made was to your surgeon. I told her exactly what happened. And she said, yeah, it'll be fine. The the surgery is strong. It's going to be fine. Yeah. She was so confident in in her own work and in their own hardware. They seriously are such a godsend. They always have been through this whole thing. They are so confident in their own expertise. I mean, I seriously, even with everything that's happened, I feel so privileged to even have had them work on me. I was, I'm just thrilled. So anyway, then the MRIs did come back that everything was fine with the surgery, um, but still this lung keeps filling up, and um, so we're going to drain it. So we will talk about draining the lung at least a little bit next time. (laughs) Well, we might, but also I think that the next episode might actually be a special guest, so we might have to take a little bit of a break. That's true. We should. Yeah, we finally found a special guest, baby. We've got two. We've got two in the lineup, baby. I'm so proud of us, and we've even created like a release. an official release for our special guests. Now we do continue pursuing Matthias Schonertz regularly. We do. He's never going to know that we're calling him if you're not saying his name right. Matthias Schonertz. (laughs) (laughs) Matthias, please. It's Matthias. Who's your manager? He's not going to respond to Matthias. You never know. I... I'm confident that he only responds to his European fans. So if I can say his name in the right accent, I believe that he will eventually respond. 
Anyway, faithful followers continue looking for the Pillsbury Doughboy in claw machines, and <laughs> you may want to follow Matthias Schonertz on Instagram. Oh, Schonertz. That's Zenith. your Michigan accent coming what? out. What's his, what's his handle? His handle is at underscore underscore Zenith <laughs> underscore 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 underscore. And he's very concerned about fake accounts. So <laughs> he is. There are a few people who've tried to imitate him, and he's always like, even if they only have like two followers, which we think is hilarious because he's this huge movie star now. And any account with like two followers, nobody's going to think that's real. And yet he's like, report these people. They're trying to imitate me. Everybody Anna, report Anna them and, and I have, them. We have actually considered making Creating. a fake account just to get attention. We have just to get attention gonna. because it's such, we're not it's such a foolproof plan. Yes, but we're not going to. We're going to continue well, emailing okay, don't him Don't say that because that's still an option though for us. So don't no. commit to anything. No, of course we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're going to continue emailing him professionally. Speak for yourself. He has a documentary coming up called Frankie. What? Well, what? not documentary. I'm sorry. It's a. It's based on a true story. A biography. But he's producing and directing, no, which is I his first project. No, I thought came out. No, no. He's in. He's in production with that right now. Oh my gosh, Matthias. I know. It's about a guy with a with a one leg, right? It's his neighbor. I guess a neighbor friend. Childhood friend. Who I thought yeah. got into MMA, even though he was disabled. He had one leg, and it's all that whole story. So we would we keep sharing with him. Hey, this podcast has almost 175 listeners. <laughs> so that's Matthias, and that's our pursuit. So okay. listeners, no listeners, Pillsbury Doughboy, maybe send Matthias a private message on Instagram. <laughs> but we are so glad you're with us. I am Kim. I am the mom, and I am saying goodbye. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. It's your turn to say it goodbye, you very nuts. Much sounds like, it very much sounds like you're the only host. It's because I'm it's Kim your and turn. I'm the mom and goodbye. <laughs> it's because it's your turn to say goodbye, you nut. We're already like okay. 17 minutes over. Oh my gosh, we're eight minutes and 20 seconds over and we've had so much stuff that we're going to need to edit out in and this your, episode. Your microphone is still buzzing because of your dumb electric blanket. <laughs> you still haven't turned that thing off. You know you haven't turned oh. that off. You keep How just- are you and I friends? Turn off oh, the electric bike. Oh, is it still buzzing? It was. But now oh it's my okay. word. How do we how oh. it's your turn to say goodbye. Okay, goodbye to no, everybody. I'm Anna oh. and I'm the daughter. <laughs> now say goodbye. I'm Anna. I hope we're gonna include this whole thing. I'm Anna and I'm okay, same. Glad we finally agree. I'm Anna and I'm the daughter. Talk to you next time. And I, I am also a host of this podcast. <laughs> did, you, did you just did you just lean back in your chair? I just heard the loudest creak in the world. Have a creaky chair. I try not to move at all during the recording. Okay. You're lucky because it sounded like the bodily function. We love you listeners. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys for joining us today. Stay tuned for more podcasts from Anna and Kim on the new series, Not Ideal, But We're Going With It. Also, check out their new website at www.notideal.net.